Well, good morning. So good to see you all here this morning. You guys excited for uh, Labor Day weekend? Yes, thank the Lord for days off. Uh, if you have not met me yet, I'd love to meet you. My name is Andy Middlecoff. I'm one of the pastors here. So welcome to all of you. Special welcome to our guests. Turn with me, if you would, to John chapter 13. Uh, if you're newer to the Bible, just uh, flip towards the back. You're going to find Matthew, Mark, Luke, John, Acts. We're in John 13. If you're using a Bible in the seat rack in front of you, it's on page 846. That's page 800. And 46. Uh, and also, if you are watching online today, a special welcome to you guys. We're glad that you're joining us as well. Um, if you are a guest with us, a couple things. If you want to grab one of these uh, connection cards, they're in the seat rack in front of you, and just fill it out. Let us know that you were here. We'd love to be able to answer any questions or um, uh, be there for you in any way that we can. On the back of these connection cards, there's a place to write a prayer request. That's for both guests, uh, but also for everybody, the whole church family. We want to know how we can be praying for you. Please fill that out. And you can um, drop these off uh, on your way out of the kiosk over here to the right or the kiosk out in the, in the um, courtyard as well. So take a look at that. If you are a guest, you also get a gift as well. So if you're going out, even if you've been here for three years and you haven't gotten the gift yet, man, you get the gift, right? So anyway, you can get those at the kiosks as well. Um, a couple more things. If you on the way in got uh, some of these notes here, on the one side, if you're ever wondering what's going on at the church, the one side has kind of the upcoming events. Take a look at that. On the other side, a place to take notes. If that helps you during the sermon to pay attention and focus, please do. I uh, like the fill in the blanks. So if your hand is not sore by the end of the sermon, that is my mistake. So uh, also in that same seat rack, kind of by those connection cards, we have these what we call bookmarks. And this has kind of a scripture reading plan that we have that goes along with the sermons we're doing. We're going uh, right now we're doing a series called Better Together, and then we're going to get back into Matthew soon as well. So take a look at this, and it has scriptures on there, verses that you can memorize as well. So take a look at that. And then I'm excited to say, I think one last thing, no, two last things. I'm excited to say, though, that uh, we have the uh, updated edition of our journal out, the LBC Journal. They're free. You can pick these up at the small groups tables out there, but we've added a, a number of pages, maybe 30 different pages, Things like, what is the armor of God and how do we use it? What is the fruit of the Spirit and what does that mean for our lives? What are the promises of God and, and uh, how, do we, how do we pray through the promises of God? Anyway, there's a ton of that information in here um, helping you to connect with the Lord. So I encourage you to pick one of these up and use them at the small groups booth. There is a booth as you're going out onto your left in the courtyard uh, that's for our new app. Um, and so we've got high school students there. I'm not sure why high school students, but maybe because they know how to download apps really good. So they'll be out there to help you if you need help downloading the app. That'll also be a way to keep up with stuff here at the church as well. So with all that in mind, why don't we pray? Thank you again, Father. What a gift it is to be able to open your word in the language that we can understand. Thank you that your Holy Spirit is with us. Thank you, Jesus, for dying for us and rising from the dead. Thank you that you're our Father and that you are committed to us. Teach us today of your love. Give us the grace and the strength to love you back and to love each other. And it's in Jesus' precious and wonderful name we pray. And all God's people said, amen. So Edith and I, my wife and I are from Oregon. And I went to college in Portland, Oregon. And then moved back to our hometown, 
got married. A couple years later, we moved back to Portland. And she requested that we not go to the church that I was a part of so that we kind of start afresh. I thought, okay, that's fine. We, we go to look for a new church. And the first Sunday we go to a new church, it's about a half an hour away from where we live. And it's on, in a part of town that I'd never really been to, so I didn't know where we were going. This is before GPS and before smartphones. Remember those days? What did we even do, people, right? You know, we're so blessed with smartphones. Anyway, so um, I got us lost and didn't want to ask for directions. No, um, but we finally found it. And of course, everyone's already, you know, in church and everything. And, and there's one, one person in the foyer, uh, a greeter. And, uh, you know, we go up to him. He's got the bulletin or whatever. And he goes, you're late. Sorry, you know. Um, so, of course, good first impression. I felt terrible. We walk in. Great, you know, great sermon. Um, great worship music. As soon as the service was over, uh, everyone just kind of went, got into their little holy huddles, right? And so Edith and I are standing there, like, what just happened? Looking around, like, all these people seem really friendly, but they seem to have no room for us in this church, right? So we just, just kind of hang out, and we're not sure what to do. Uh, by the way, a friend did invite us, but he wasn't there. If you're going to invite somebody to church, make sure you're there. <laughs> no. Uh, yes, but anyway, um, so, so we just kind of hung out to see maybe we could talk to somebody, but they were all pretty busy talking to each other. And so we start to leave, and this blessed young lady um, came up to us and said, hey, so glad you're here. My name's so-and-so. And, -so. and uh, she said, the way to get connected with people in this church is to join a small group. I said, noted, thank you. And so that was our, our thought, our plan. Uh, but we, we you know, met her. That was great. She was very kind. And then um, we thought, well, we'll just kind of look around and see if we can talk to anybody else. But no, they were all busy talking to each other. Go to find information in the foyer. We leave, and we were decided right away, we're never going back to that church. There's no place for us. They're, they all have their, their friends, and they're, they're happy. So um, I'll tell you what happened uh, later, the rest of the story in a moment. But we decided not to go back there. And, and I just want to say, if that has happened to you, either today or um, another time you've been here, I want to, I want to apologize. It's, it's rough when you're going to a new place and everyone seems to already kind of have their friends and there's no room for you. Well, I'm going to tell you there is room for you here. Uh, be patient with us and, and we want to get to know you, okay? But it is, it is hard. We, we get to know a couple people and we're comfortable with that and it's hard for us to break outside of our comfort zones and reach out. And really, that's, that's an act of love to go out beside, beyond our buddies, right? It's kind of an act of love to go out beyond. And it's difficult. It's challenging. But that's what Christ calls us to do, is to love each other, even people we don't know that well, maybe people that are different than us, maybe even people who are hard to get along with as far as we're concerned. He calls us to love them. And he does so in the scripture that John read earlier. Let's look at it again, though. Um, it's John 13, verses 34 and 35. Just a summary of something we see over and over in the Bible. Jesus says this. He says, A new command I give to you that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now, I don't know about you, but when I read that verse and verses, there's a plethora of them like it in the Bible. One of my first thoughts is, oh man, I'm such a failure at that. 
right? And that was something as I was reflecting on this and studying this this week of just that uh, being humbled, going, okay, let me assess my life. Yes, do I love people? Sure. But, but do I really do it the way he's talking about here? Because he really raises the bar. And I, and I had to come humbly before the Lord and just, God, forgive me. I confess. I don't always love my wife and kids the way I ought to. I don't always love my church family the way I ought to. I don't always love my neighbors or my uh, relatives the way I ought to. And so the encouraging thing about this scripture, though, is that in these words, he, he gives us uh, sort of some lessons, five, five lessons on how do we actually go about doing this? How do we love in a way that he wants us to love? And I hope by the end that you'll be encouraged and motivated to continue to grow in this area of love. So first of all, um, if you're following in the notes, the first fill in the blank, how do we love each other the way that Christ wants us to love each other? First of all, take God's love for you to heart. Take his love for you to heart. And we see that Jesus talking about his love for us right there in the first verse we read in verse 34. Look at that again with me. He says, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another. Now he, now he says this, just as I have loved you. Okay, why is he talking about his love for us right in the midst of him commanding us to love each other? Well, it's because we need to know that he loves us in order for us to truly love each other. I don't know about you, but this is how I am. I try to earn God's love. I want to be loved by God. I don't believe that he loves me. So I try through performance to get him to love me. But then I fail every day. I sin, I fail, I do wrong, I think wrong, I say wrong. And then I feel like, how, how, could, he, how could he possibly love me? Now, I've been a Christian for so many years and I'm still messing up, right? So I try to earn God's love. This is where in order to love people, we need to, to truly um, be filled in a sense with the joy and the strength of knowing that God genuinely loves us. So what comes first, the chicken or the egg? What comes first? Our love for God or God's love for us? The chicken comes first and God's love comes first. I love this verse, 1 John 4, 19. You might see it up on the scripture. We, that's believers in Christ, we love, we love God, we love each other. Why? Because he, what? First loved us. Let that sink in. We've got to believe this. We've got to trust this. Now, um, this, this uh, scripture that we're looking at this morning, chapter 13, verses 34 and 35, whenever you're reading a verse of the Bible, you got to look at the rest of the chapter and the chapters surrounding it. And in the, this very chapter, we see God demonstrating his love for his people, which is an example to us of his love for us today. And he did so by washing the disciples' feet. Chapter 13 is when they celebrated Passover together. They celebrated the first communion together. And Jesus washed the disciples' feet. And have you ever noticed that one of the primary motivations for him to wash his disciples' feet was out of his love for them? Take a look at chapter 13, verses 1 and 2, the very beginning of chapter 13. Look at that in your Bible with me. It says, Now before the feast of the Passover, when Jesus knew that his hour had come to depart out of this world to the Father, he knew that he was going to die on the cross the next day, Okay, um, he says, having loved his own who were in the world, 
Those were the disciples. He, listen, he loved them to the end. Another translation says he, um, he loved them completely. He's now going to demonstrate just how much he loves them because in the very next verses, he washes their feet. That was one way he demonstrated his love for them. He also demonstrated his love for them the very next day, which we find starting in chapter 18, where he's falsely accused. He's beaten and battered and crucified on the cross, put to death. Why? To demonstrate just how much he loves us and to do the one act of love, meeting the need that none of us could meet. Because that's really what love is. And if you're going to define love, it's, it's, it's meeting someone else's need, okay? We had a need that we could not meet. We could not forgive our own sins. We could not rescue ourselves out of hell. Only Christ could do that. He knew what we needed, and he met that need perfectly, completely, totally, so that his death on the cross was everything we need in his resurrection in order for us to be at peace with God, to be right with God, to be restored to God. And I appreciate what he says. Same night, a couple chapters later, John 15, 13, Jesus said this, something you're familiar with, greater love has no one than this, that someone lays down his life for his friends. And the very next day he did that. He said, let me show you the greatest love. Let me be an example of the greatest love. Let me give you the greatest love by dying for you. Jesus um, was a man in a sense of few words about love, but was a man who loved in his actions by dying for us, by washing the disciples' feet. And when I, when I read about Christ's love for me and for you, I do ask myself the question, why does he love us? You know, I, I asked that of a, a friend of mine once. He was a coworker in my early 20s. I was at work. This, this wasn't at a church, by the way. And uh, um, I had a lot of great opportunities to talk to people about Christ at this job. And so I'm um, always looking for those opportunities. And this, this one guy worked with, I, I thought, how could I kind of bring up the topic of God, right? You know, you, there's always that question in your mind. How would I bring up that topic? So I said to him something I haven't really done since then because of what happened. But I, I said, do you think God loves you? And he goes, yes. And I said, well, why do you think God loves you? And he says, because I'm such a great guy. You know, and I thought, okay, now how am I supposed to bring the gospel into that? I hope I figured it out. I can't remember. But, um, you know, it, it's often that's what we think. Like, I've got to be good enough. I've got to do so. I've got to be skilled enough, talented enough. You know, and maybe it's more of a man thing. I don't know. But, you know, we got to perform for God to, to really love us and to care for us. But actually, just the opposite is true. While we were still blowing it, he already loved us. So many scriptures talk about that. And I wish I would have known this verse back then. But truly, this is one of my favorite verses together with verse 16, which I'm not going to read. But verse 15, up on the screen, 1 Timothy 1.15, the apostle Paul talking about himself and God's love for him, Paul said, the saying is trustworthy and deserving of full, re, full acceptance. What is that? That Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners, of whom I am the foremost. The apostle Paul saying, I'm the worst sinner because I saw that Christians were literally killed for their faith. I was trying to destroy the church. I am the worst sinner. But even in the midst of that, God loved me and God saved me from my sin and my bitter end. Why does God love us? Well, because we are part of his creation. He made us. Not only that, but he made us very special. Each 
human being in the image of God. In the image of God. You are in the image of God. I am in the image of God. He loves us because he chose us. He loves us because he adopted us as his sons and daughters. He will never give up on you. Man, can anyone say amen to that? Man, thank you, Jesus. He loves us, not because we're so great, but because he's so great. And I, and, I, and I really appreciate this verse and this concept has helped me so much. And it's something we sang earlier this morning about being satisfied with God's love and satisfied in God's love. It sounds kind of selfish, but it's not. Moses, in fact, one of the only Psalms that I know of that Moses wrote was Psalm chapter 90, and he talks about this. Look at this up on the screen. Moses prays to God, and he says, Satisfy us in the morning with your steadfast love. That's your ongoing, never giving up, never dying love for us. Satisfy us with your love. Why? That we may rejoice and be glad all our days. You know, there's all this doom and gloom, you know, you, you watch on the news and we start to fear, right? If we lost everything, we would still have everything because we have the love of God. It's hard to remember that. And I guarantee that when I'm in the midst of it, I'll forget about that. Or if I'm in the midst of that, but we have the love of God. He says, satisfy us in the morning. It, it's, it's like we're every morning coming to God with our, our hands open saying, I have nothing to give in return. I'm a sinner saved by your grace and kindness alone, but I receive your love. I don't deserve it. I can't earn it, but I'm trusting the good news that you love me, that you created me, that I'm in your image, that you've chosen me, you've adopted me. I receive your love. And I'll tell you personally, this is so hard for me. I struggle. This is my daily battle. There's no way, God, you could love me. You, you alone, God, know the darkness of my own soul. But you still love me. Amazing grace. My question to you this morning is this. Do you truly believe? Have you let that settle deep in your soul? Are you satisfied and have the joy of the Lord because you know that you know that you know that Christ loves you with an everlasting love? With that in mind then, we're ready to talk about now, how do we love others? Once we receive that love and enjoy that love and embrace that love, we're ready to love other people. How do we do that? Second, in the notes, realize that loving others is a command, not a suggestion. Take a look again with me at chapter 13, verse 34, the main verse we're looking at this morning. Jesus said this, uh, the night of the last supper before his death, he said, a new commandment I give to you that you love one another, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. It's a, it's a command. In fact, he says it's a new command. And when I read that, I always have to go, okay, what does he mean by that? Because it's, it's on the one hand, it's not a new command. I mean, you know, clear back even 1,500 years before Jesus was born, God gave them the first commandment to love. And then we see it repeated throughout the Bible. Uh, up on the screen, you'll see the very first place in the Bible where God tells people to love others. That's Leviticus 19, 18. Take a look at that with me up on the screen. God says, you shall not take vengeance. That's one way to love is not to take vengeance. Or bear a grudge. Not bearing a grudge is another way uh, to love against the sons of your own people. But instead of doing those things, 
you shall love your neighbor as yourself. I am the Lord. So, so here he's, he's saying, uh, this, the standard is yourself. Love your neighbor as yourself. And to love your neighbor as yourself is, well, how do we love ourselves? Well, I, I feed myself pretty darn good, you know. Thanks, Edith, right? She was here at first service. I forgot to thank her. But anyway, praise God. Um, you know, um, I, I give myself the benefit of the doubt. I generally forgive myself. Not always. Um, you know, we, we, we treat ourselves well. But here, what's new about this command where Jesus says, a new command I give you. He doesn't say love your neighbor simply as yourself. He says, love your neighbor. He raises the bar. As I have loved you. And that, brothers and sisters, is where I go, wow. That's impossible. Aside from God doing a miracle in you and through you, it's impossible. But that's the standard now. It's how Jesus loved us. And that, that bar is, is very, very high. And, and, and he, he, notice, it's a command. He says, a new commandment I give you. And then, he, and then he says the commandment, that you love one another. He says it twice in that same verse. He says, here's my commandment. In other words, it's not a suggestion. He's telling us this is what we are to do. It's not just when we feel like it. It's not just when the other person is loving us back. It's not just when it's convenient. He's telling us, this is what you are to do as my sons and daughters. What's the will of God for my life? Love one another. So when we don't do it, it's a sin, right? It's easy to track back to our lives and Instead of blaming it on other people, we see, oh, that's, yep, there we go. I've, I've broken this commandment here, there, and everywhere, right? We need the mercy of God, which he lavishes on us. Um, so is, is he commanding us to have a, a lovey-dovey, fuzzy, warm feeling for other people? No, no, thank you. Um, in the Bible, love is, is an action rather than a feeling, right? Feelings are a part of it because we're, God's talking about our whole being. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength. Um, but, but first and foremost, in Scripture, love is an action. It's doing the loving thing, even if we don't have a loving feeling. I wonder if when Jesus was being nailed to the cross, that he had warm fuzzies to the people who were nailing him to the cross. But I guarantee that he was loving them because by the very act of allowing them to nail him to the cross was the very most loving thing that he could do for them and for all of humanity right? Love is an action. So then putting this command into practice, how do we do this? Following the notes next. Thirdly, how do we love the way Christ wants us to love? Imitate, imitate the way Jesus loves us. Look at Jesus as an example. This is a wonderful thing, a very challenging thing, but so helpful, right? And we, we see this again in verse 34, where he says, just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. How many of you appreciate YouTube, where when something breaks in your house or in your car, uh, you can now go to YouTube and find something kind of like it that, that sort of instructs you on what, what to do? How many of you guys appreciate that? Okay, good, a few of you. I, I love it, I'm telling you. My dad lives up in Oregon. I can't ask him anymore, you know, what to do uh, when, when my dryer breaks down or something, right? I got to go to YouTube. And man, YouTube has saved me thousands of dollars, right? Because of finding um, what to do. Looking at examples, it'll show you. Because I can read it, you know, 
And I still go, what in the world is that talking about? But when it shows you by example, like here's a video of, of what to do. I look at the gospels that way with Jesus, right? Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, those are biographies of Jesus' life. And they show us, um, by example, they show us his life. How do we deal with somebody who's falsely accusing us? How do we deal with somebody who's hard to get along with? How do we speak the truth in love to somebody who doesn't want to hear it? Well, you know what? Read the Gospels. And Jesus, it's his, it's his YouTube channel, right? He'll show us by example. He doesn't just tell us, get out there and love people. He says, I am loving people. I came to this earth to show love. Follow in my footsteps. It's, we see this earlier in John 13. If you want to look with me at chapter 13, verse 13 immediately after he washes the feet of the disciples, they're just dumbfounded. Like, why did he just do this? And so he tells them why. And notice the word example. Chapter 13, verse 13. Jesus says, you call me teacher and Lord, and you are right, for so I am. A plus, guys. If then your Lord and teacher have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. For I have given you an example, there's the word, I have given you an example that you should do just as I have done to you. Imitate me, follow my example. What I want to do right now is just pause and, and just think about Jesus washing the disciples' feet and, and that example, right? And I was thinking, I wish I had an example of that up here, like we could demonstrate it this morning, but, but just picture in your mind, Jesus um, kneeling down to wash the disciples' feet. It's, it's, a, it's an amazing thing. And what can we learn from that sort of YouTube example uh, of, of loving somebody else? Well, four things. I've got them written in your notes. First of all, meet real needs that people have. Meet their real needs. The disciples' feet were stinky. They needed someone to wash them. Typically, when they would go to someone's house as a guest, the, the, the lowliest of servants would wash their feet. No one, no one wash their feet. Jesus saw the need and he met it, right? That's one way that we can love people. Look for real needs and seek to meet those needs. Secondly, what did Jesus do and how can, what can we learn from the foot washing? Do things that seem beneath your status. What would you do if God came to your house as a dinner guest one night? I'm telling you, I mean, I think most people would just bow on their faces and worship him, right? When God came to dinner as a guest with his disciples, he washed their feet. And in that culture, only the lowliest of servants was allowed to wash the feet of others. Only the lowliest of So here's the one with the highest status, together with his father and his spirit, the highest status that can ever or will ever be, coming down and doing the job of the lowliest servant. It'd be like Jesus coming over and scrubbing your toilets for you. So we need to be willing to do things that seem to be beneath us. Uh, thirdly, um, do what is inconvenient or messy. Do you think Jesus got messy when he was cleaning the disciples' feet? Of course he did. It was inconvenient. They should have been washing his feet. In fact, Peter said so. <laughs> we should be washing your feet. Um, and then fourthly, something else that we can learn from the example of Jesus and how he loved by washing the disciples' feet is uh, to serve and love people who you don't get along with. Let me ask you the question. Did Jesus wash Judas's feet? 
He did. You just read earlier in John chapter 13. I encourage you to go back and read it. It's incredible to me because just minutes later, Judas left to go betray him so that those who hated him would falsely accuse him and arrest him and kill him. Yet Jesus, in love, still washed Judas's feet. What an example Jesus was and is to us. But as I said, the very next day, remember, this is the night before Jesus is crucified. They celebrate the first communion together and the last Passover meal that they would do together. But he dies the very next day on the cross, which is the greatest act of love ever done in humanity and ever will be done. His death on the cross for all of humanity, for us, for our salvation. The very next day, what can we learn from that act of love? His death on the cross. We can learn a number of things from his foot washing, but also a number of things from his death on the cross. One is forgiveness. Multiple times in the New Testament, we are told to forgive as Christ has forgiven. He died on the cross to forgive our sins. Thank you, Jesus. We needed it. Um, Colossians 3.13 clarifies this. It says this, bearing with one another, and if one has a complaint against another, uh, against another, forgiving each other, how? As the Lord has forgiven you, so you also must forgive. How has Jesus forgiven us? Completely and totally. Can anyone say amen to that? Completely. There's no more. You can't do anything to pay for your own sin. He's done it all. Let that sink in. And he says, go and forgive likewise. I'm telling you, I've had to ask God for the strength to forgive certain people in my life that have hurt me. I've had to ask him hundreds of times. But you know what? Every time he gives me the strength to forgive. And then the next day when it comes back to mind, I got to forgive him again. Forgive as Christ forgave you. That's one, one lesson we can learn from the cross of how to love. Another lesson we can learn from the cross of how to love is to sacrifice. This is, this is almost just as hard as forgiving people. Sacrifice. In 1 John 3.16, you guys know John 3.16. 1 John 3.16 is a beautiful verse as well. You can see it up on the screen here. It says, by this we know love. In other words, this is what love is. It's hard to define love, but for Jesus, he showed us what love was. By this we know love. What is it? That he laid down his life for us. What is love? Look at what Jesus did. He laid down his life. He said, take my life so that everybody else can live. So then how are we supposed to love each other? The verse goes on, and we ought to lay down our lives for our brothers. Interestingly, most of the apostles did just that, but John lived to an old age and died, as far as we know, of an old age. But still, he laid down his life and everything he did. We may never get the opportunity to die for each other, but every day we have opportunity to die a little bit to ourselves for the benefit of the people that God puts in our lives every day, right? We may never get that opportunity. And, and, and parents can understand this, the willingness to die for your children. It's kind of, or to kill your children, one of the two. Um, no, but there's, there's this, yes, I would, I love my kids. I, like, I would die for them. God wants to grow our love for each other to where we're, we're at that point. We, we may never get the chance to do that. But every day we may have the opportunity to die to ourselves 
to let the other person live. I have to say, like I said, whenever I read this and, and the many scriptures like it, my, my, the negative side of myself can be like, I'm never going to measure up to this. And it's true. In this life, we'll never get it perfect, guys. Um, let's, let's take that off the table. Uh, but with the power and the presence and the love of the Holy Spirit that's with us, we can grow in this. We can mature in this. And we can genuinely love each other as Christ has loved us. And that's why I love the fruit of the Spirit. The fruit of the Spirit, the very first fruit it's mentioned is love, right? It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's not the fruit of Andy Middlecoff or whoever you are. It's the fruit of the Spirit living within you. And that's what we need, God. And so I pray regularly, God, give me the strength to love my wife and kids. Give me the strength to love my brothers and sisters at the church. Give me the strength to love my neighbors and my neighborhood. Give me the strength to love my relatives and the people I meet because, God, I'm selfish. And God gives me the strength. God gives us the strength. Fourthly, how do we love people the way Jesus loved us? If you're following in the notes, remember that loving each other points people to Jesus. When we love each other, there are many, many benefits about that. Many benefits come about it. Often when we love each other, we get loved back, not always. There are many benefits, but one benefit of loving each other is that other people who don't know Christ see it and go, there's something different about that person. And we see that in verse 35. Take a look at 1335. Jesus said, by this, all people will know that you are my disciples. By what? If you have love for one another. If you seek what's best for the other, if you're committed to the other, if you sacrifice yourself for the other, other people will see it and go, aha. Now, I'm not at all bashing Orthodox Jewish people, but I do want to just highlight something. If you want to look at the picture, if it's up on the screen there, um, particularly men in this point, um, some of you are going to Israel. Uh, um, what, is, what is a way that you know that someone's an Orthodox Jew? Oh, by the way they dress, right? Or how about Amish people? Not bashing Amish people at all. Um, I, I respect them. Um, but again, especially the women, how can we tell if they're Amish by the way they dress? How are people to know that we are Christians? Clearly by the way you dress, right? We're all dressed the same. No, that says nothing. We all look like everybody else in Bakersfield, right? How, how, how are people to know that we're Christians? Jesus tells us right here, by the way that we love each other. That's how. So God help us. Fifthly, if you're following the notes, actually, I do have to ask a couple questions. It'll be up on the screen. I forgot. These are really good. Um, if any of you have the Life Application Study Bible, it's a great one, isn't it? I love the questions that it asks uh, in, when it's talking about this scripture that we're looking at this morning in John 13. It asks these questions, and I'd like us, including myself, to ask these about ourselves. So think about these two questions. When people see your life, do they see petty bickering, jealousy, and division in your life or in your church? Or do they know that you're a follower of Jesus because of your love for one another? Uh, the, the truth is probably both are true. Um, but, but hopefully we'll grow towards that second question and, and further away from the first as we mature in our walk with Christ, right? Fifthly, uh, how, how, do we, how do we mature and grow? How do we uh, become loving like Christ is loving and love the way he does? Fifthly, put Christ's love into practice in a small group. Uh, Jesus, 
Sometimes he'd preach to literally tens of thousands of people at the same time. Everywhere he went, tens of thousands of people flocked to him. But he spent most of his time with a small group of men, partly to train them, but also to demonstrate that there's a place for small groups in God's kingdom. Uh, we, can, we can love everyone that God brings into our path, but we can love more deeply those we actually get to know. And that's really step one, is getting to know people. Do you know people in our church family? Do you know their needs? Do you know their prayer requests? Do you know their personalities? That's, that's step one. And then we can go deeper, right? And, and, and be there for each other, to support each other. When we have doubts, when we're hurting, when loved ones die, we're there for each other. We're willing to sacrifice for each other because we've put in the time to get to know each other and pray for each other and care for each other. And that happens more frequently within a small group rather than in a large group, doesn't it? Jesus modeled that for us. So I'm going to have four of my friends come up here real quick and, and share just a little bit about the small groups they're a part of uh, so that you guys can get a little bit of a, a picture of some of the small groups we have here. And I, as they're coming up, I'd like you to just take a minute um, if there still are some of these brochures and the seat racks in front of you that says small groups on the front of it, if you could just take those out real quick. So look in front of you. Don't look up here for just a second. <laughs> look in front of you. If you, have, if you don't have any of these, there are more out at the small groups table. Um, but uh, please take those out real quick and you'll see in there. I'm going to move this so you, you guys can see over there. Can you see them over here? Uh, Noah, can you see these guys up here? Yep. Okay, gotcha. Good. Okay, so um, we've got life groups that meet in homes in the evenings. They have men and women together. We have women's Bible studies that meet here at different times at the church throughout the week. We have men's groups that meet in early mornings and in the evenings uh, throughout the week, mostly here. Uh, one of them's in a home. Uh, then we have connection classes. Uh, that, that's our way of saying Sunday classes, but they're connection classes. They meet second service at 10 o'clock, um, starting up back up next Sunday morning. Um, so these are the different ones. And then on the, on the back, there's also what are called support groups where we have grieving God's way. We have truth ministries and spiritual care. You can take a look at those as well. So I'm going to just ask a couple questions of these guys and they're going to just briefly share. And I'm so thankful for them coming. So the first question is this, um, Ben, you're representing life groups, right? Yep. So um, what do you appreciate about the life group you've been a part of? Yeah, so I really appreciate just the friendships, um, the godly friendships that it has provided me with. So three years ago, I started attending LBC for the first time, and I knew nobody. But then I joined a life group, and at that point, it was about eight to ten people, average attendance. And God has been faithful to grow us, actually, into two groups of about 40 people. Um, so every week, uh, we come together, we join together, and we open God's word, and then we try to apply it to our lives. We spur one another on to love and good works, and then we also bear one another's burdens when things get really hard, because we're a life group. We do life together. So we've experienced that, and we also celebrate when good things happen. So it's been a very beautiful seeing how a group of us that is so different uh, can come together at, at people's houses just on the fact that we all have the same need for Jesus and the same desire to grow in our knowledge and love for him. Awesome. Thanks so much, Ben. And then Raquel is here uh, representing women's groups. What, what uh, have you appreciated about the women's Bible study you're in? 
I appreciate that I get to go to Bible study, that there is a place to open God's word and there is the freedom so far to do it, to study God's word. And I appreciate the group of ladies that I'm part of because we help each other uh, to study. We pray for each other and I appreciate the fellowship with them. Wonderful, wonderful. And then Rob Workentine is here to represent men's group. So what, what do you appreciate about the men's Bible study you're a part of? Well, good, good morning. Um, I don't know if I appreciate, as Andy would say, getting to the church dark and early uh, <laughs> on, on Thursday mornings, but uh, we get here early. I guess the thing that impacts me the most is, is coming here Sunday morning or Thursday morning really early as a group of guys so very diverse. We, we've got men that are, few men that are actually older than I am. Uh, we've got young men right out of high school going off to college. We have teachers, we have a farmer, we have a fireman. All bringing to the table something different that they have studied in God's word. So preparing for the Bible study, I, I can read uh, the, the passages and yeah, okay, I got it, I understand it, it's good. And I get here Thursday morning, and I'm, I'm li listening to these guys and how the Word has impacted, has changed their lives, and it gives me an entirely new meaning, a new understanding of God's Word. It, it's exciting. It's, it's just inspiring. Uh, never once have I left Thursday morning to, to go off back to work uh, that I haven't felt pumped up and, and really thankful that I've gotten up early that morning to go to Bible study. So great, Rob. Thank you. And then George Baker, how about... Connection classes. Uh, what do you appreciate about the connection class you've been a part of? Now a lot of my guys are here. Uh, the fellowship. Uh, my wife and I have met some great people in the class. And then, as I said last time, the truth. The, the topics are applicable to today. Um, I was noted for raising my hand far too many times. When I didn't understand something <laughs> or it didn't mesh with my understanding of it, the teachers were willing uh, to stop, and we wrangled and wrestled through topics until they made sense. And the ripple effect as well, you take that home and you talk about it and just wrestle with it more and bring your kids into the conversation, and it's just, it just never ends. So great, George. So while you have the microphone, the second question for all of you, uh, just, just briefly, if, if someone were to come to you and say, hey, hey George, you know, why, sh why should I join a connection class? What might you say to that person? get connected. Um, I'm with Ben. We came about four years ago, didn't really find our niche until we got in the class and then found out that the group of guys I was with in, in life group actually were there. Um, I would say it's, uh, if you look at the list now, I looked at it during break, you're going to have a lot of good choices for the things we're facing today. Um, and they're going to bring truth. These teachers are prepared and there's no agenda. They want you to understand, and they're going to talk it out with you. Very cool. Thank you so much, George. Rob, how about with men's groups? What might you say to someone who was interested in a men's group? Well, someone who's contemplating coming to a men's group, I, I would tell them that there are times when I believe, and maybe if we're honest, maybe we all believe this way every once in a while, that the struggles, the hardships, the problems that we're going through are very unique to you. Uh, no one else is experiencing that. Uh, no one can feel like I feel, uh, and it causes us to be isolated, uh, perhaps alone. 
coming to a, a, a group of men and, and seeing all these guys struggling how to be better husbands, uh, trying to be a good loving father, juggling finances, uh, work pressures that they're experiencing, uh, it, it opens up to realize that uh, you are not alone in these struggles. Uh, week after week, I've seen an older gentleman struggling with uh, serious, life-threatening illnesses. And he arrives to Bible study and, and smiles and says, well, I, I guess God uh, hasn't taken me home yet. Um, and the example that that sets, one day I'll probably be struggling with some of these illnesses, and, and I hope I have the peace and joy that, that this man has received. Uh, uh, seeing a young man going off to college and, and struggling with uh, college challenges that I experienced many, many years ago. And Perhaps there's something I could say to this young man that might be encouraging and uplifting to him. And wow, what an opportunity that is. Um, so I, I think we're all prone at times maybe to be alone, to isolated, to put ourselves uh, on an island. And for, for these men's group, uh, it has certainly gotten me off the island. Very good. Thank you, Robin. Raquel, how about with women's Bible studies? What might you say to a woman who's interested in potentially joining a women's Bible study? I'll say to them a lot, but <laughs> uh, getting to know God deeply and intimate, intimately is a blessing. It's a gift from him uh, because his hope of his calling is that we can know him more and more every time that we open his word. Um, studying his word for me, it's been a life changer because I'm resting. I know that he's in control of everything, that he knows everything. So because of that, I have peace now because I'm getting to know him more deeply. Um, so all these ladies are learning. Are, uh, we are learning a lot. The knowledge doesn't stop. We're still learning. Even these ladies that know a lot and and we the new ones that come together, it's like, oh, I didn't see that bears that way or that scripture that way. So getting together is really healthy and healthier. And I learned that if we get together, we, we are, um, we, we can, we can, we can, it's better to get together. So we don't get, we don't get in to be our own false teachers, uh, or I'm not wise in my own estimation, so it's way healthier to study together, to come together to a ladies' group. So I really recommend this. And so we share a lot of great tips on how to study and um, how to, uh, when we have a little bit of time, how to study and just, just read a little bit of this or a little bit of that. So it's, it's really, really nice. We praise God for this opportunity. We praise God for, for his word. So please join us. Amen. Thank you, Raquel. And Ben, how about for a life group? If someone was interested in a life group, what might you say to them? Yeah, I'd probably just start off by saying there's a reason why God made us the way that he did. Um, in Genesis and the account of creation, God keeps on saying it is good that he created. It is good. And then he finally gets to the point where he says, it is not good for man to be alone. 
um, and I experience this in my own life. Um, while that directly applies to the creation of Eve, it also implies our deep need for relationship with other people yeah. and our relationship with him as well. So I experienced this coming back from college when I graduated in 2020. Um, I had a lot of friends in college, and then I come back to my hometown, and all of my friends go to different cities. All of my high school friends either left or some of them even don't even have the same values as me. So I came to the point where I was incredibly lonely, and I, my faith was stagnant because I was doing my, I was going at it alone. And I started praying as I first started attending LBC, Lord, please give me godly friendships. Mm, and okay. about a week later, I was invited to a life group by uh, my friend, Josh White. Mm. And ever since then, it has provided me with such deep, meaningful friendships that always push me to love the Lord more. So I just encourage you, if you're, as I was, if you're at a spot where you're lonely or your faith is stagnant because you're going at it alone, I'd encourage you to take a leap of faith and join a life group because God will use a life group to encourage you and to grow you in your faith. Wonderful. Hey, can we thank these guys for sharing? Thank you so much. So as I told you, uh, I'd, I'd complete the story about the church up in Portland. Um, my friend did invite us back. We thought, we'll give it one more try. And we did end up joining a life group, and we're so glad we did. I can remember the, the first time we went to that life group, the leader was standing at the door of the house and just put out his hand, Andy, so glad you're here. Pulled us in and said, welcome, welcome to our group. And the rest was history. We ended up loving that church, right? And so much of it had to do with building that community and that friendship with a smaller group of people. So that's one application to how do we love each other? But the next application is to take communion. Uh, take communion. And so what we're going to do, let's pray, and then we'll talk about communion, and then we'll close. Our Father in heaven, we're so grateful to you. Thank you for your incredible love for us, that it is never-ending, that it's unconditional, that it's everlasting. Thank you for sending your precious son, the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus, thank you for suffering so much on the cross. Thank you for doing the first communion that night when you washed the disciples' feet. And that you, you want your people to take this as a reminder of your love for us, of Christ's death on the cross and resurrection from the grave. So we're grateful, Lord. I pray that now that as we think about this, that you would prepare our hearts to take communion. We pray in Jesus' name. Amen. So with communion, if you didn't get one of these cups on the way in, uh, don't be ashamed to step up and uh, grab one, or if someone nearer to the aisle can grab one for you, please do. Uh, but this is, the Bible says that this is a, a sign or a symbol of Christ's death on the cross for our sins, which makes it a symbol of his love for us. As the scripture up on the screen that we looked at earlier in chapter 15, verse 13 of John, where Jesus says, greater love has no one than this, that someone lay down his life for his friends. Um, now, there might be someone here this morning that has not yet said, okay, Jesus, I believe that you died for me. I'm a sinner. I need your forgiveness. I need your death on the cross. I believe that you rose from the dead. Um, maybe you haven't gotten there yet. If that's you, um, wait, wait till you do to take this, okay? 
But if this morning you're ready and you're saying, you know what, I, I need the love of Christ. I need his forgiveness. I need his mercy. And I'm ready to turn away from my sins and ready to follow Jesus now and become a believer and a follower of Jesus. Then by all means, this could be your first communion. And that's wonderful. Praise God for that. For those of you who do believe, maybe you're like me and you forget God's love for you, or you, you think that it's based on your performance or whatever to try to earn God's love, and we never feel like we're worthy of his love. Well, we aren't worthy of his love. But by his grace, he gives it to us. I want you to think about this as you're taking communion, because when we're eating and drinking, the symbol of God's love for us, as we're taking that within our bodies, um, also receive his love for you into your hearts and souls. Trust that he truly loves you, that his death on that cross wasn't just for a bunch of nameless people, but he thought of you individually, as well as all people on the cross. Receive God's love this morning as we take the symbols of God's love. And let's do two things. Let's, let's thank him and praise him for what he's done for us. And let's also confess our sins. Um, God wants us to daily confess our sins. Communion's a great reminder to come clean with God and say, I can't hide it from you, God, you already know. Here's sin in my life, forgive me. Give me the strength and the willpower to turn, to change. Show me people in my life who can help me overcome this sin. So take some time to confess it. Now, just something on a practical note, I encourage you to take the bread first and the juice second, or the juice, some of it might spill on you. So do that. I'll pray now, then on your own when you're ready. And if your kids are believers in Christ, take communion with them. Uh, when you're ready, take it on your own. And then John's gonna close us in prayer. So let's pray. Father, we, we just bless you and praise you and thank you. Thank you again. Thank you for the symbol of Christ's death on the cross. Thank you, Jesus, for what you went through to, to love us and to show just how much you loved us. Thank you so much for the bread and the juice. What a good symbol it is. And, and I pray this morning that you'd help us to confess sin freely to you and that we would receive and enjoy your love, your commitment, your forgiveness to us this morning. We bless you. We praise you. Bless this time. In Jesus' name we pray. And all God's people said, so when you're ready, please take communion and John's gonna close us in a few moments.